Are you ready to experience something extraordinary? Cultural gems in Croatia, ancient temples in Asia, art in Italy. We'll take care of everything. Flights, accommodation, excursions, local guides and all that planning. Travel department. Let's see more. Know Your Rights, Know Your Options, a short podcast series with Senior Times. I'm Conor In this episode, I chat to Colin Markey, MEP for Midlands Northwest. He has been very active on engagement and rights for older people, especially looking at the legacy of the pandemic. Before we get going, I'd like to take a moment to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Doro Mobile Phones, Expressway Buses and Travel Department. Three great companies in very different areas. They're very good to support us, so thank you very much. Don't forget to check out earlier episodes and other chats. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. So now let's go and meet Colm Markey. Colm Markey, MEP for Midlands North. Fulgail MEP for Midlands North. Yeah, you're very good to drop into us here in Dublin and say hello. You're very welcome. Thanks, Conor. Delighted to be here. Flying visit. You um, you're in Dublin now. You came in from was it Brussels? Yeah, we were in Brussels all week. We had a what they call a committee or sorry a group week in Brussels this week. So there's three, there's a sequence of weeks. There's a group or a committee group and then a plenary week next week. So we'll actually be in Strasbourg next week. So came in this morning and we'll be there. You go. Well, one of the chats I've had actually on the podcast is with Kieran Cuff, mm-hmm. and, um, and he was telling me just about the life of an MEP. It's not very glamorous. I mean, even the the titles of some of the bills that you're discussing or the meetings that you're attending, I mean, that can be pretty sleep-inducing sometimes, and yet it really is important, isn't it, across well, it's, all, it's all very important, particularly, I suppose, at the moment in terms of the, the green transition and various things like that, uh, and indeed the, the Ukrainian situation as well. There's, at the moment, it's, it's eventful times at European level. But the reality of it is that I suppose everyone's day-to-day lives, often Europe is one step away from that. What, what, what's voted through in Europe today mightn't take effect in Ireland for 18 months. Mm. So there's a disconnect of sometimes. But yet 80% more or less of the legislation that's passed in Ireland has a European basis to it. So what, what's agreed at Europe has a direct impact on people on the ground. But that lag leaves for some level of a disconnect in terms of yeah. what happens there. And a disconnect in the electorate's mind as well, because I think sometimes the Irish electorate looks at a European election as a throwaway election. And that might be unfair, but, you know, a chance to have a kick at, at an incumbent government or, or make a protest of some sort. Well, often it's, if you like, almost a midterm election. So it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't change the government, but it sends a message to the government. So oftentimes you'll find where uh, in like a government party would take a hammer in the local elections or the European elections and then maybe would recover somewhat for a general election. So well, that, that may or may not happen. But certainly at times you feel that what happens at European level, like I suppose the news, the nine o'clock news, it'll cover what's in the doll or what's happening yeah. at the national level. But it doesn't necessarily focus on what's happening at European level, despite the fact, as we say, that 80% of what we... What legislation that goes through the doll has its basis in something that came from Europe. Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about about older people and some of the work you've done there. We will get to that, but just while we're in Europe, which is um, kind of fascinating, um, uh, there's a lot of detail and consensus building 
that goes into European legislation. I know sometimes you'll get a cynical bar stool that says like Europe isn't democratic at all. You know, actually it is. It's got very sound democratic mm. legitimacy and we've ratified it by plebiscite many times. Um, but what happens there really is a sort of a pool to consensus. Is it, would that be... Yes, it's a different dynamic to what you would have in, let's say, a national government where you have a government and an opposition. One party's, let's say, in government for the term and the other part, the other parties are in opposition, if you like. And in Europe, you have a number of parties and on different days, a, a, a collection of parties will come together to make a majority to pass something. So typically, you would maybe have a, a, a central group, which would be the like of the EPP, which Fianna Gael would be a part of, Renew, which Fianna Fáil would be a part of, and S&D, which is essentially what Labour would be a part of. They don't actually have an MEP at the moment. Yeah. But those central, or then you might have a, a group more to the left forming or a group more to the right forming. So mm. typically you would you could have a, an amalgamation of different groups. But not only that, there's not a, a whip system like there is in Ireland. Yeah. Like in, in government, if you're if you're a government party or government TD, if you don't vote with the government, you'll be booted out the next day. Mm. Whereas in Europe, you can it, it's not as strict as that. The whip system doesn't work in the same way at all. So if you've a difficulty with a particular piece of legislation, you can choose to vote against it, and there's yeah. there's no significant repercussions. Uh, well, uh, I get I get that, um, and the European Parliament does what it does, and it's say it's not whipped in the same way. It spends well on the good side. I think a lot of time is spent in committee rooms yeah. working through boring details that. Yeah. Um, you know, the general public quite rightly will never get their heads around. But it's hampered in this because you also have the populists. Uh, most extreme expression mm. in the Farage from England. But uh, you, you'll get people who are there in a populist wave and they're just around to throw sound bites around. Does, does that that, that's very frustrating. I suppose there, there's a lot that goes on at European level that people aren't aware of, I suppose. Like what you say at committee level. Like even any MEP will take pieces of legislation through, through the committee stages and, and right through to plenary. And they'll be responsible for, for managing that and the, and the actual content of it. And some people take that very seriously and invest very mm. large amounts of time in, in particular issues that they've an interest in. Whereas then it's very frustrating when you put a lot of time into something like that and then someone else just comes out with a populist one line yeah. and, and doesn't even bother. Like, and so you get a bit of that. And I suppose when, for people who invest uh, in politics in a kind of a meaningful and constructive way, it's very frustrating when someone else just comes along and plays yeah. a populist card. Like. Yeah, and it will always be easier um, to criticise and knock something than to... You know, try and force. Put the work into making it happen. What's your solution? Tell us what it is and then stand over it. Um, and I know you've warned about creeping populism in Europe. Um, just say for people who don't know, there's a, there's a few committees that you are involved in. I know transport and tourism is one mm -hmm. of them. Um, I know agriculture and rural development mm -hmm. is one of the fisheries, I think, might be included there as well. Yeah. Um, and so you're an MEP. Fair to say your rural Ireland is your perspective? I suppose I would. My background is I'm a farmer by occupation and I also would have been involved in a lot of rural development work through leader companies and different things over the years. I spent over the years and I spent a, sorry, I was president of Mocker at one stage as well. So mm -hmm. rural Ireland would be, I suppose my heart would be in rural Ireland in a lot okay. of ways. Yeah. And I, I, I look at things, if you like, in terms of like, I suppose there's a move to urbanisation across the world, but in Ireland as well, and yeah. and maintaining, let's say, social infrastructure and maintaining community in rural areas 
and issues like isolation that in rural areas are becoming more and more relevant. Yeah, which we are going to talk about uh, um, because I do think it's really serious. But so be- before we get to it, um, as a rural MEP, um, are you aware of sort of a growing tension in rural Ireland, which you might loosely term uh, frustration with and hostility towards the green agenda, perceived as being imposed by urban elites. I mean, where do you stand on a, a likely farmers' party in Ireland, for example? You've seen it in the Netherlands and it's talked of here. I think there's definitely a polarisation of the debate. And I think there's a frustration among a certain amount of people, pretty much on all sides in relation to this. Like, there's a frustration that people suggest that it's almost an anti-green agenda, which I don't believe it is. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people, it's a case of we want practical implementable solutions as opposed yeah. to uh, as opposed to a bit of like idealistic well, uh, if, uh, ambitious if, targets with nothing behind them and I think that's and certainly there would be an element of society that just is opposed to change mm-hmm. and I think it's very hard to uh, but I think if you if you show people a way forward that makes sense to them and if you like and they understand the logic to it they will buy into it and I think there's been a lack of communication a lack of bringing people along in terms of this. I think that's the bigger issue rather than that people are opposed to change. Yeah, well, that's logical to me. And, uh, you know, again, on on the other side, on what you might loosely term the green side, and not specifically meaning the Green Party, but there's a tendency for people to say, there's a climate emergency, therefore you must agree with everything I say. And you say, no, no, we accept it's a climate emergency. That does not mean that everything out of your mouth is beyond criticism or every policy, yeah. no matter how disruptive, must be implemented. There's a real sense, if you're not with us, you're against us. If you don't agree exactly with what we say, you're a climate denier. And the reality is there's so many people out there in mainstream Ireland, in mainstream politics, who say, yes, we have to address this. And yes, we have to do it in a way that brings people with you, that doesn't have a, like you talk about a, like, let's say, social and sustainability, if you like, social sustainability, economic sustainability, and environmental sustainability. And you can't have environmental sustainability without the other two together. Yes. And I think that sense of bringing people with you, including them part of the conversation, if you have a sense that our way is the right way and you have to do what we say, you alienate so many people. Yeah. And that's the nature. I, I talk to even good friends who would be particularly let's say a Green Party activists even and some of them are frustrated that a lot of within their own ranks are very black and white about their yeah. outlook on this and I think if you don't bring people with you if you don't get, learn, teach people to, to if you like appreciate where you're coming from then you, you won't win the battle um, well, listen, let's hope you're right the depressing lesson of history is that the populists are sometimes rewarded at the ballot box aren't they? Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Are you interested in trying a new smartphone but still a little unsure? Do you want a phone that offers larger icons with louder sound and an interface that has technology designed for seniors? Well, why not choose from the Doro range by simply visiting doro.ie? Doro. Make friends with innovation. Back here in Ireland, but I suppose pan-European as well, and this is something that I know our listeners will be interested in, I know you've spent a lot of time on, um, maybe COVID highlighted it, uh, but the whole area of isolation, um, people being psychologically isolated, cut off from their communities, 
I think that's always more challenging in rural Ireland and it always gets worse when people get older. Um, so older people post-pandemic, um, what's your thought on, on, on where they've been left on foot of the events of the last number of years? I think certainly people, if you like, a I think people have changed a little in, within themselves, but also in society as a whole. Like there are probably a couple of things you're right in what you say. There is an isolation out there that, that is natural as people, let's say, get older in particular, where maybe they, they don't have the same mobility as the ones has and maybe don't have the same network through, let's say, through their working career. They, they, yeah. they constantly have a network. And as they get older, they, they can become more isolated. And maybe they, they, they don't have the same... A mobility, they don't have the same transport links, and so pe- people find themselves on their own more. And, and even their, their colleagues may there may not be as many of their friends around as there once was. And people uh, do get quite isolated. And it seems to be a thing. We were looking at a, a, a longitudinal survey that was done, and it seemed to be a, identified that people more so in rural areas were more affected. Yeah. And even in Ireland, it was said that Ireland was was. Was termed as the loneliest com- country in Europe. It was not a terribly bleak. I, I did see that yeah. a terribly bleak uh, study to read, uh, and you know maybe hard to quantify the, uh, mm. the damaging effects of it. But it, but it is clearly it's uh, there. And I think as a, as a society that's very social in their nature, everyone talks about the Irish and the, the, mm. way, the way we engage so much. And I think for people who probably in their younger years would have, if you like, a gone, uh, moved about plenty can be harder when you suddenly find yourself with maybe relying on someone else for transport or, a, yeah. if you like, in a in a rural situation where you, you're just not that close. And people naturally pull back, particularly men. Like, mm. the, the whole uh, advent of the men's sheds has been a great uh, progression. Yeah. And I suppose people would always say that women will sit and have a cup of tea and a chat. <laughs> men don't do that as well, necessarily. No. Men are inclined to talk while they work. And that's what a men's sheds idea kind of, if I'm written at a machine or something, I'll chat to the fellow beside me who's written at another machine. Yeah. And they just actually, conversation will start. And I think things like a men's shed like that get, get, can get people out and active much more. And I think that, that's very important. But you mentioned COVID, and COVID has been enormous. I was, I was just talking to a lady the other night who would be a regular football goer mm. all for years. And the woman's into her mid-70s at this stage. And she wouldn't miss, uh, she followed particularly League of Ireland Club that I follow myself, <laughs> and uh, she wouldn't miss a match. And then COVID came and she just stopped going. And I met her last week and she hasn't been at a match since COVID. And she said, yeah. I just don't go. And I just don't feel, I see there's the insecurity there post-COVID. You know, I, and listen, everybody tried hard and we didn't know what a pandemic was going to look like. And I, I wouldn't be handing out blame. Uh, but everybody's instinct was to protect yes. our older people, to, to wrap them in cotton wool, very understandable instinct. And I guess what we didn't guess was we were actually doing quite a bit of collateral damage. In terms of, we were breaking habits, I suppose, if you like, and we were just breaking those social links that people had. And I think we have to sort of start to rebuild on that. But it's not just, you talk about an older generation, but people have, have learned to get the bottle of wine on Netflix and put mm. on a night and not go out and socialise as much as they did in the past. <laughs> and like people have got kind of almost comfortable in their own home and they don't, and because of that, they they don't socialise to the same degree. And then months and maybe even years go by and suddenly you're, you don't have the same social network you once had. Yeah, and of course, being a card-carrying, grumpy middle-aged man, 
I can say that, oh, you know, it's the social media generation and, uh, you know, youngsters can't get their faces out of screens. But, you know, it isn't that. It, it, it's a human thing. Like, we are all Mark One human beings. And we're living longer. We're staying in our own homes longer. We're getting better health outcomes. Um, but we know about needs for that life stage now. And, and maybe we, we underthought social needs that come in that life stage. Yeah, I think we do have to look at all the social needs. I think if, if like, I was just talking to a lady just coming off the plane there today about the idea of, if you like, people when they, when they something happens in the family and maybe somebody's mobility is, has been impacted yeah. and then they become a carer and suddenly their lives, as much as the person with the mobility issues, it becomes completely transformed yeah. and society doesn't necessarily recognize that enough that like the changes that come in people's lives and the responsibilities are placed on people and the role carers play in families and in communities and it's such an important part that that look someone's life can be changed quite suddenly and thrown into a whole different situation and just it's a it's a bit of a shock to the system of yeah. and you know most of us will have that experience if we're lucky enough and healthy enough we'll eventually be in that position ourselves um, but but until we are we'll have relatives parents very commonly that we're that we're trying to care for um, so in that vein um, let's imagine we're thinking about you know our, my mum or something like that and mm. um, what are the tools and are you satisfied with them uh, that enable that person to stay longer in their own home? Is I think that's the most important thing. Anybody who like can stay as long as possible in their own home, in their own environment, there's better health outcomes to just, you know, they're more comfortable and more confident in their own space than they are if they have to move somewhere else. And what we can do to pe- keep people in their homes for longer is, is so important. And for me, look, the idea of having carers available to support people in their homes is one thing, mm-hmm. which is vital. I think it keeps people out of like in nursing homes and in terms of even the health service, it, 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 there's a saving there. But the other big thing that I think is very important going forward is, is the, the use of technologies yeah. and the ability to allow some of their independence and their, their security in their own home. And well, now, often, and again, this is an unfair cliche, my dad, who has gone now, um, it'll be good to him, he passed away, well, but he was a tech junkie. There was, mm. there was no new gadget that he didn't have. In fact, he was a tech journalist. And wrote, mm. So it is a little bit of a cliche uh, to say that, you know, older people just, just don't, don't embrace technology. Couldn't agree with you more. I but mean, it wouldn't be a cliche column if it wasn't true to an extent. I mean, it's not, it's, I think what, what people need is they need maybe to be just helped a little bit along the way and show, show them the path and a little bit just take time with people. Mm. And like I've seen different initiatives where let's say younger people work along with older people and, and, and with technology. And, and it's, it's, it's beneficial for both because the younger person can learn an awful lot from the experience of the older person. But certainly, I saw, you talked about your father, I saw my own father and my own family, even things like, a, like we would have, of, he was farming like myself and in more recent times everything was registered online and in his latter years he wouldn't be down on the farm much but he registered all the calves and he did all yeah. the little bits all the the IT for the farm he was doing it. he had a simple experiment how to do each action and he could work away at them no problem and then alongside that like I had an aunt that lived on her own with us uh, on the farm but she had like even the simple things like the emergency uh, response button yeah that one day she, those sash windows in the house 
handle. She trapped. She was cleaning the windows. Trapped her. Trapped her hand in the sash window. But she had the buzzer, and she could just press, and someone come straight away. And that little simple things like yeah. that makes such a difference. They do, and you know, and maybe another pandemic side effect. But um, we all got used to video calls, mm. uh, and I guess a lot of people would have had. Uh, I don't know, maybe a grandson in Australia or something like that. So they might have done video calls before the rest of us. But for most of us, I'd say pre-pandemic, you could have counted on the fingers of one hand the amount of times we'd actually done a video call, whereas now we do it all the time. Mm. And for an older person staying in touch with their family, uh, good and bad in that. Um, But the bad is it can sort of take the place of proper interaction. I think the good in it is certainly that, as you say, the like of Zoom calls and things yeah. like that. And like the, the senior generation have taken that on board as good mm-hmm. as anybody. But the bad is that possibly like there's nothing like sitting across the table from somewhere yeah. and having the chat. And, and, and no matter how much you do across a video call, it's, you just, it's just not as relaxed. Yeah. And I think the, the opportunity to get out and meet your contemporaries. And I think we have to do a lot in society in terms of like supporting community groups mm. that work like that. And I think for an older person, it's not about, it, it can be about a younger person with technology, but it's about their peers too. Yeah. And like, be it men's sheds or active retirement groups or, you know, different things like that, where people just get together uh, and do things and organize things as a group. Right. Uh, I think that is so important to support that at a community level. Like Ireland always was, was very strong on community, whether it be sports, football clubs, or whether it be drama groups or whatever people were doing. Uh, it, was always a, it was always a strong culture of a sense of community in Ireland. And I think we have to be careful that we haven't lost that through the pandemic. And we well, have to work to rebuild that. Yeah, and, and you, you do speak, uh, speak strongly on it. I, I, one of the guests that I, that I spoke to is Professor Roseanne Kenny, who's done a lot of studies on, you know, been across a lot of studies on successful ageing um, and, you know, a lot of the same themes uh, come out of it. Um, but look, you're, you're an MEP, which mm. is a, a full-time job. I, I, I know that you advocate in this area. What is there physically that you can do? Do you beat a path to the Irish government store, your, your um, party colleagues? Or, or what do you physically do to advance this agenda? Well, there's various things we can do. Like, I think there has to be a strategy, like in terms of European level, there are various strategies that are there in terms of enabling and empowering older people. And I think that 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 they have to be supported and encouraged. I think, the, as I said, the use of technologies and having them available to uh, allow people the independence. Obviously, you don't want a big brother impact of, of sort of uh, someone's watching me. Yeah. But at the same time, I think you have to balance that with, well, if you can live in your house for longer and give your own family peace of mind that you're all right, yeah. uh, the, the embracing those technologies is, is something we need to do more of. Like uh, the Netwell Casala Centre, for instance, in Dundalk, mm. which is uh, operated through DKIT, has looked at an awful lot of different technologies and how they can be deployed in the home to allow people to, yeah. to, to live at home for longer. I think... The use of that type of technology and then I think as a state we have to invest in the whole uh, carer and in fairness we, we, we have invested a lot in terms of making carers available to help people get up in the morning, to help them put them to bed at night and, and to just be there for that so that people can be can have their own independence in their own home and can stay there for longer because even if someone has, mm-hmm. has early stage Alzheimer's, when they're in their own environment 
they're comfortable enough yeah. and they can work away. And thing and to be able to support people in those situations. So I think certainly investing in community and community activity and community facilities that there's a network there for people. Supporting the like of technologies that allow people live in the, and and in their independence in the home for longer, and supporting the like of be it voluntary carers or paid carers uh, to, to come in and, and help people and those just them difficult bits maybe getting up in the morning going to bed at night yeah. it just allows people live in the home for longer keep those social contacts because as you said yourself all the studies say the more social contact you have the better health outcomes it's mm. just good for people so those two or three things I think make all the difference and it's important that I suppose from a government strategy that we invest in all of those well, a bit of an Irish thing um, to push these responsibilities back on the family, isn't it? Um, so that, you know, as an, as an elderly relative starts to struggle more, um, kind of the assumption is that the daughter will pick it up, the son will pick it up. Um, do you feel we kind of abdicate a state's responsibility a bit there? I think there's a balance to be struck there. And I think in more recent times, like there's been more money invested in carers and carers have been rolled out more than perhaps previously. But um, I definitely think you can't replace the place of family, mm-hmm. number one. And I think you certainly have to support a family carers. More, like there's an estimate to be up on nearly half a million family carers in the country when you count it. All the, when you count it. Yeah. When you count it. Yeah. And like, that's all the more reason why these people make such a contribution and we have to respect and appreciate them. But certainly when you're in a family situation where let's say there's one parent and everybody the next generation are working and it can be very, and maybe have their own young families, it can be very challenging and there is a need for the state to, to, to support those individuals. And I think to have a professional carer come in the morning just to get someone, let's say, up, up, up and out and, and a, a, that, that, that can support the family. Is an, is a great help, and certainly from a state perspective, number one, we have to recognise and appreciate the contribution made by by family carers. Mm-hmm. And secondly, then I think we do have to look at the resource we deploy in terms of carers. But it's not just about the financial; it's also about just literally having the numbers of carers available, and that's and that's a massive yeah. it's a massive challenge. Yeah. Like, as in know, every if, occupation, if you remember conversations that we would have had <coughs> in years gone by, um. I, I, we go back about the same distance, I think, but we remembered a, a conversation in the 1980s, for example. But it would have been unimaginable at that stage to say that our economy has full employment mm. and we have a serious labour shortage. Mm. Um, so I guess we should maybe pinch ourselves and remind ourselves that these are good quality problems to have. They're better than the ones we used to have with mm. just no money at all. Yes, and I think the, the, the idea, like, I drive up and down rural Ireland all the time, and you'd see you see you constantly come along the road, and you see a, 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 someone in a nurse's type of uniform hopping out of the car and going into a, a house, and you see there's a carer going in to look after someone in the morning, and you see that around the country now much more than you would in the past. The presence of of professional carers is more than what it once was. I certainly think they play an important part, and it is a challenge because we are at full employment, and to get people with the natural skills and maybe mm. a medical background or, 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 or that, that can, that can play these roles, is, it, it's difficult to, mm. to, 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 to have the people there. And that's yet again where the like of, if you make the job easier for family, then they can, they like 
they, they want to look after their parents or yeah. their grandparents. So just make it easy for them to do it. It's, yeah. it's one of our I one of some sort of roadmap to resources and supports that yes. are available. Uh, people like Citizens Advice sometimes pick up that slack. But mm. uh, um, again, what would you say to older people who are listening to us and wonder, what do I do next with my problems? Yes, I think there's, there's always, it's always worth talking to either the the citizen advice, as you say, is one source. The like of through the various county councils, there's there's a, a there's well the active retirement groups for a start are another source, but also I think most of your public reps will be able to point you towards the various supports that are there, and I think. A, that that's that's very important, and I think that's that's one area that we can do more to get that information out to people as to well, what is available. Okay, um, so listen, thank you for that. Tell me what's next for Colin Markey. Are you going to go back over fences in the European race next time? And well, that's that's what we would like to do. I'd love to, I'd love the chance to get like I suppose I'm only I'm only in the the Parliament a couple of years at this stage, and as anyone will tell you, it takes a few years to to get to understand the place to yeah. start with. So I really feel like. I'm only getting started, and I'd love to get another another term in the European Parliament because it's really, as you said yourself, the politics of Europe is a very, it's a very, uh, if you like, considered politics. It's very, hmm. it's 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 the best type of politics, trying to build consensus with people as opposed to this adversary, a uh, government and opposition approach that we have in Ireland, and to be able to play my part in that. And you deal with such great issues like the whole green transition, oh, the, yes, yeah. the, the, all, all things to do with like even caring for uh, people with needs or special needs or uh, all sorts of it's pretty much anything that that we uh, that uh, that that's that you deal with at some level in life comes across our table in one way or another. And to be able to play our part, and I suppose for me it's about bringing in a sense of reality to that. Sometimes them discussions are kind of almost uh, academic at one level or bureaucratic yeah. at another. And just bring it back to the ordinary person on the ground. How will this work for them? And if you if you can keep it real like that, I think that's uh, the most important role that a politician has where you're dealing with, with a bureaucratic system on one side and a bit of populism and another, an aspiration. But just the person in the middle of this, make sure they're being looked at. Very good. So if the person in the middle of all this wants to get in touch with you and either tell you you're brilliant or kick you on the shins, um, how, how do they do so? Well, there's all sorts of... Basically, I've... Well, social media is for one. I'm, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram and all them. So I've they can shout at you. Right I, here. I have an email address. I, uh, you can Google me. Most of my contact details, just Google Colin Markey and I'll pop up straight away. <laughs> and all my contact details are there. But look, if anyone wants to, they can send me an email at colin.markey at Europe. It's a very long email address. Yeah. colin.markey at europarl.europa.eu. But, very good. Just say that again backwards quickly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can spell it out if you want to be very specific. We'll pop it up on the website. On the website. Um, well, listen, Colin, thank you very much for dropping in. It's been a, a, a pleasure chatting to you. And um, welcome to Dublin on your flying visit. I know you've other business to do. Uh, but thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, Colin Markey. Thank you very much, Connor. So that's Colin Markey. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Let me know if you have any thoughts on the podcasts. Get in touch on connorfalkton at gmail.com. Do remember that you can access the full Driving Life archive of previous episodes at seniortimes.ie. Thanks again to Doro Mobile Phones, to Expressway Buses and to Travel Department. And we're done. Drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. 
will phone poke new wet, on will knappy no fum nis orge wet. Nis eskele husaj, faker no phone in takatal gwin, on cho, egg daro. On von klishte is deni, gidi gohon la hai glinna, agus taskena. Ta rode egen, gogachtena. Ta nismo olis, egg, daro, darkam.
An will phone poke a new wet, an will knappy no fum nis orge wet. Nis eskalehusaj, faker na phone eintok a ta gwin, an cho, eg daro. An von klishte is deni, gidi gohan la hai glina, agus taskina. Ta rod egen, gogachtina. Tanismo olis, eg, daro.com.